Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Overcoming Confusion, Part 2, by Pastor Sean Wood. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask, think or imagine. Today we stand before you and we give you the glory, God, and as we open your word, we ask that you would open our hearts and open our ears, that we would hear from you in this place this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. You'll be pleased to know I didn't get locked up after last week. We'll see if we can give it a go this week. For those that were here last week, uh, if you've only just joined us, we're working our way through a series of Overcomers Month. May for us is quite commonly Overcomers Month. We began with overcoming the flesh. We moved into overcoming emptiness. And last week we started part one of overcoming confusion which focused mostly on how do we discover God's will and God's purpose? How do we make wise decisions? Well, you have to grab last week's for that. But we use the story of Gideon, and we all know that Gideon laid out a fleece. And to make a long story short, uh, we shouldn't be laying out fleeces in our lives because we don't need to. Gideon was laying out a fleece, not because he was trying to gain knowledge. He already had that. God had already given his word. God had already confirmed his word. So he shouldn't have been laying out fleeces. That was an act of unbelief. However, what should our lives look like? Radically different now in the New Testament, by the way. But what should our lives look like? What should we expect? How do we navigate this life? Last week, we covered things like, uh, often we fall into the trap of thinking that God's will is more like a roadmap. It's like God micromanages us. And I want to encourage you today that... uh, God's will is less about a roadmap and more about a compass. Uh, that we, He gives us bearings to navigate our life towards. And so therefore, uh, we shouldn't expect to be micromanaged by God. But what should we expect and what does it look like? We are told, uh, last week I said that if you could sum up this week's message in one line, it would be God, uh, guidance is not something God gives, it's something God does. And I want to now clarify what that looks like in our lives. Uh, Throughout the Bible, you will find the reference, the metaphor to God being the shepherd and us being his sheep. Now, whenever somebody says the Bible's full of this, ask him for a couple of examples because you can get into a little bit of trouble. So let me give you a couple of examples. In Genesis chapter 48, uh, Jacob would say to Pharaoh at that time in Genesis 48, he says, "My, my years have been long and hard, he would say, but he would go on to say, but the Lord has been my shepherd through all of my days. We know about Psalms 23 when the king of Israel would say, the Lord is my shepherd. We're going to move to that psalm later on. Uh, Of course, if you read Ezekiel 34, Ezekiel 34 is condemning the the false shepherds that were overlooking God's people, but also looking prophetically to the good shepherd. We're going to unpack that today. One that guides us. One that cares for us. That was the role of the shepherd in the first century. The role of a shepherd was to feed. The role of a shepherd was to water. The role of a shepherd was to protect and to guide and to care for the sheep. And more about what that looks like in our lives today, as well as Jesus as the good shepherd, as well as us. But if you ever notice something about sheep, I want to remove from your minds now if you're sitting here thinking, well, that analogy means that Jesus was telling us we're all dumb, that's, that, that's not the analogy at all. 
What, what Jesus was trying to highlight when he uses the metaphor in John chapter 10 is that without him or without a shepherd, we are enormously vulnerable. And one thing about sheep is that they have no sense of location at all. That's why when they wander off, you've got to go and try and find them because they've got no idea how to get back. And many people are living their life inside of church and outside today completely confused, not knowing how do I navigate this life? I want to tell you today that if you are at distance in any way from the shepherd, you will struggle to navigate this life. The role of a shepherd, as I said, was to care for. And uh, although the shepherd was to go after the lost and stray sheep, we, we sing songs about that. And Jesus talks about leaving the 99 to go and find the one lost sheep. The, the role of the shepherd was also to gather the scattered sheep. And I have a heart for both. I have a heart for those that are lost and without a knowledge of the shepherd, but I have a heart for those that are scattered. And scattered sheep were kind of in view of the shepherd, but they were at distance. I have found that many people drift away from the shepherd sometimes. And whenever that would happen in the first century, a shepherd would stand in the middle of all those sheep that were scattered and give a call that they would come back and gather around the shepherd. I believe God's calling the scattered sheep today. I want to help you today to have a look at what the life with the shepherd looks like. As we come to John chapter 10, I have to give you the context. Because John chapter 10, particularly the verse 21, the first 21 verses, they follow on from John chapter 9. They are a direct narrative that comes from John chapter 9. And it's very important we get the context as we will see. What happens in John chapter 9? I love what happens in John chapter 9 because it begins with uh, Jesus and his disciples stumble across a blind man that was blind from birth. And his disciples ask the question of the universe. Uh, Who sinned, Jesus, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Because uh, in the first century, everybody, particularly the rabbis and the Jews, they said, you know what? All suffering and all affliction is due to sin. Great question, right? Who sinned then? If this guy was born blind, and I love how Jesus answers. uh, Jesus completely flips the coin, and instead of answering the question of cause, he answers the question of purpose. What does he go on and say? Uh, Neither this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. It's not about cause, it's about purpose. This man's miraculously healed. But what happens afterwards is why we have the narrative in John chapter 10, because immediately this guy's walking around and everyone's going, isn't this the guy that was born blind? And in the end he says, yeah, I'm that guy. And the Jews get hold of it. The Pharisees get hold of it. The religious folk of the day get hold of this and they start questioning this guy. Uh, Well, yes, I was born blind. How is it that you see? Well, this guy just kind of touched me and now I can see. And they they, they can't believe it. So they get his parents in. And they says, is this your son? And how is it that he now sees? And his parents say, look, he is our son and he was born blind. But how he sees today, we don't know. And a debate begins amongst the Jews. There is confusion and there is division. We're going to pull it out in a moment. But they begin a a, a debate amongst themselves about who Jesus is. And what that leads to is the blind man standing up because they say, this guy must be of the devil because he wouldn't do these things on the Sabbath. And the the man that was blind stands up and says, I find this amazing. This is the Sean English version this morning. He says, I find this amazing that you guys are even debating this. 
Since when has anybody ever healed a man born blind? Why are we even having this discussion about where he comes from? And he gets thrown out of the Jewish community. That was, that was, a, that was an enormous threat in the first century. Because you weren't just excommunicated from church. It wasn't just them saying you can't come to church anymore. That's not what they were saying. They were unplugging you from a community. And by doing that, your friends and your family were not allowed to associate with you. You found it hard to sell goods. You found it hard to buy goods because you were unplugged from a community and excommunicated. It had enormous ramifications. And this man says, I don't care. And now Jesus wants to highlight that amongst these bad shepherds, the ones that were supposed to lead, the ones that were supposed to care for God's people, he's now going to give us an example of what our life with him should look like. That's enormously important because we're going to get to a verse that says the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. We all know that verse, right? Uh, We may be confused about the identity of the thief, but more about that in a moment. Let's start with chapter 10, verse 1. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, and if you were reading the New Living Translation this morning, Jesus would stand up and say, I tell you the truth. Jesus does this all the time when there is confusion, when people are stumbling over trying to to work out what his parables mean. He stands up and he says, I tell you the truth. Overcoming confusion, number one, is that the entrance of truth means that confusion leaves. I love what uh, John Piper says. You know, John Piper says that at any one point in time in our lives, God is doing 10,000 things of which we may be aware of three. God is always at work and Jesus stands up amidst an enormous amount of a confusing situation and says, I want to tell you the truth. And our world is full of supposed truth. A pilot asked Jesus, in John chapter 18, Pilate's standing here having a conversation with Jesus and he says, what is truth? But then he turns around and walks away before Jesus can answer the question. Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I am the life. We live in a world today that has a lot of supposed truth. Have you noticed? Do you know I could be honest with you today and still not tell you the truth? Do you know that I could preach a message to you and quote Bible verses and still not tell you the truth? That's why we're confused sometimes. That's why the greatest ploy of the enemy is to have us confused. How do we know, how can we know what truth is? Any claim that we make, we must apply to a series of tests. And I want to I help you today to try and determine what that is because many of us spend far too many hours on the internet. I told you I'm going to get locked up today. Some of us spend far too much time on the internet. Some of us spend far too much time on Facebook. Some of, don't let people on Facebook tell you who you are. We'll get to those things in a moment. There's a lot of people on the internet that are claiming truth. Truth is that which accords with reality. What Paul was writing in almost every single one of his epistles, but mostly to his leaders, Paul would write that we must keep a sound or a sober mind. What did he mean? 
work your way through life thinking logically and with a little bit of coherent reality. How can we do that? Let me help you today. In John 17, 17, Jesus says, sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth. If you're looking for truth today, I want to tell you I found it for you. You don't have to look any further. If you want somebody to tell you the truth, then open these pages. But if you want to apply truth to a test, here's test number one. It is the test of coherence if you're taking notes today. You must ask yourself, every claim and every opinion, you must ask yourself, is it consistent with the overarching explanation of all of the facts? When I open the Bible, why do I consider this to be truth? Because it is the best explanation of all of the facts. C.S. Lewis says, I believe in Christianity as I do the sun. Not because I can see it, but by it, I can see everything. What's C.S. Lewis saying? Everything makes sense when I look through the lens of truth. The Bible gives us the most coherent explanation for truth. Next one is consensus. Are the claims and opinions held by a majority or the minority? I want to help you today. If it's just you and a few people over here on the left that think something really radical, it may be a minority for a reason. Consensus. Is this held by the majority? Or is it a leftist minority? Let's keep going. Is it consistent? Are there correct statements that aren't contradictory? Why am I not preaching from the Quran this morning? Talk about getting locked up, right? I'll tell you why I'm not preaching from the Quran. From the front to the back, it is full of inconsistencies, both in the life of the person that was supposed to write it, as well as those who read it today. It is completely inconsistent from the front to the back. The apparent contradictions in the Bible, we have answered. This book here has been scrutinised, ripped apart, read by some of the most adamant enemies to it, and they still can't disprove it. Is truth coherent? Is it held by the consensus? Is it consistent? correspondence. Does the claims or the opinions correspond with the facts? What do we mean by that? Uh, If I told you that Parliament House was in Tasmania, I would be telling you a distruth. If I told you Parliament House was in Canberra, I'm telling you the truth because there is a correspondence there. The last one, and for me, one of the most important is does it come from authority? Often when we seek truth, we seek authoritative voices on the matter. There is no greater authoritative voice today. And we're going to get to voices in a moment. Truth is found here. We have pulled this apart. We have tested it. Scientists today are running to the Bible. I could tell you of a scientist. His name is Dr. Hugh Ross reasonably controversial, and he might get locked up in some places. However, Dr. Hugh Ross was born again by just looking at the stars. Someone passed him a Gideon's Bible. For nine years, he did not come in contact with one Christian. For nine years. But when he opened his Bible, he goes, this sounds like everything I'm looking at. And by the time he was talking to Christians, he could say, you know what? Everything I read here makes sense. When I observe the stars in the universe, it makes sense. 
when he got to the book of Job, first book written, he realised that God asked Job 69 questions. And he says, of all those 69 questions today, with all of our scientific advances, he says, we can answer 19 of those. For Hugh Ross, he found the truth. Because it was consistent. It was coherent. It's definitely held by the majority. Over 2 billion people today hold this as the authoritative truth in their lives. Praise God. Jesus says, truly, truly, I want to tell you the truth. He who does not enter the sheepfold, speaking about the sheep now, by the door, but climbs in by another way, is a thief. Those who get to the sheep by another way are not the shepherd. We'll get to that in a little bit to come. Verse 2, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. Here's the really important one. The sheep hear his voice. Our world is full of voices, have you noticed? There are voices in social media. There are voices when you turn on your television. There are voices when you log on to the internet. There are voices that come across your radio waves. There are voices that come through culture. There are voices that come from behind pulpits. Our world is full of voices. And Jesus says that uh, the sheep will hear his voice. Overcoming confusion number two, begin to sift the voices in your life. Jesus says that they will hear his voice. That word hear means to listen or to give heed to or to comprehend. I want to challenge you today. What voices are you giving heed to in your life? Who are you allowing to speak into your life? This morning, please do not tell me that God does not speak if there is dust on your Bible. But please... Please do not tell me God does speak if there is dust on your Bible. The Holy Spirit says, C.H. Spurgeon, does not ride on the opinions of men but in the chariot of the word of God. Why do we sometimes often fall into the trap of confusion? Because listening to anybody that is not riding on that chariot of the word of God may not be the Holy Spirit. It culminates in watching YouTube and people are making chook noises and barking like a dog and saying they're drunk in the spirit. You might be drunk, a different spirit. We need to sift the voices in our lives. Where our world is filled with media and crowds. We're going to get to those in a moment. And our current culture, have you noticed that culture likes to push its voice into the church and A little bit more about that as we work our way forward. Overcoming confusion number two is to sift the voices in your life. Uh, An amazing analogy with the shepherd was uh, in World War I in Israel, uh, some troops tried to steal some sheep and they stole the sheep and they walked off. And the shepherds would stand at a distance and call the sheep. And the sheep would just turn around and run back to the shepherd. And then the soldiers would go back and they would steal the sheep and then the shepherds would just stand at a distance because the sheep knew their voice. Jesus goes on and says, and he calls his own sheep by name. Very, very, very important verse. And Jesus says, and then he leads them out. Leadership in the Bible is not positional. More about that on another time. 
Leadership in the Bible, leadership in church equals one word. John Maxwell sums it up beautifully. Leadership is nothing more than influence. And the, the picture of the shepherd and the sheep is of the shepherd going before the sheep. Uh, often we get into confusion when we try to get out in front of God. I know none of us in this room have ever done that. I know we've never rushed in front of God. I, I know we always wait and follow God. But, but uh, for us Tasmanians, sometimes we get out in front. Overcoming confusion number three looks like allow Jesus to be the only influence in your life. Have you ever noticed that sheep are easily led? Have you ever noticed that when something happens and one sheep goes in one direction, they all go, hey, yeah, we'll go that way. Have you, have you ever noticed? In Tasmania, a kangaroo could hop through the paddock and they'd all follow it. It's, we'll, we'll go on our merry way. What Isaiah said was, like sheep without a shepherd, you've all gone astray. We all end up in confusion when we allow other influences in our lives. When we allow other people to influence us and lead us. Let me take some examples for you for a moment. Please beware of allowing the crowd to influence you. Let me highlight what that happens. Palm Sunday, for most of us that will know, in the Easter week, Palm Sunday, the crowds were lined up in front of a donkey, laying down palm branches, yelling, Hosanna in the highest. And five days later, those same people would say, crucify him. Be careful of going with the crowd. In fact, Jesus is looking for those that will stand up and go against the crowd. What other influences could there be in our lives? Uh, worldly pleasure and the current culture. Uh, uh, one of the most frightening verses I found in the Gospel of John is chapter 11, verse 48. What happens is Lazarus has been raised from the dead. Now the Pharisees have got a problem, right? Because Jesus' popularity has exploded. But not only his, but Lazarus. Everyone wants to talk to this Lazarus. And so they get together and say, what are we going to do about this Jesus? We've got to do something about him. And then some guy pipes up and says, we've got to do something about Lazarus as well. He's running around telling everybody he got raised from the dead. Why wouldn't you? And so they concoct a plan that we have to get rid of them. And one stands up and says, we've got to get rid of these guys. Here's a really haunting verse. Otherwise, the Romans will come. What did he mean? He says, if we don't do something about this Jesus, he's going to grab attention and the Romans are going to come and they're going to take away our way of life. They're going to take away our authority. They're going to take away our prestige. We have all the say here. They let us do what we want. They let us wear these stupid clothes and have these big things on our heads. That's all going to be taken away. We must not, we end up in confusion when we allow the current culture to begin to influence us. Sounds a little bit like this. Sounds a little bit like progressive Christianity. Sounds a little bit like, well, you know, if Jesus was alive today, then he would be marrying same-sex couples. No, he wouldn't. He'd be loving them. He'd be absolutely loving them and trying to lead them to a better place, but he wouldn't be marrying them. Oh, if Jesus was alive today to keep the harmony, he'd have a black church and a white church. No, he wouldn't. Jesus would have one flock. We have allowed culture to begin to tell us and influence us about who God is and who we are. Enormously confusing. 
What about tradition? In chapter 9 we read that one of the big problems was that Jesus didn't keep the Sabbath. And we allow tradition. Uh, Jesus would say, you have nullified the word of God because of your traditions. Wow. And the fear of men. Remember the parents from the blind men? The Jews bring in the parents and say, is this your son and was he born blind? And how does he now see? He's our son. He now sees, but he was definitely born blind. But how he sees now, we don't know. And it says that they said that because of fear of the Jews. We allow the fear of what other people will think to dictate and influence us. Overcoming confusion, number three, allow Jesus to be the only influence in your life. Let's read through the rest of this passage as we come to the last point this morning. Verse 4, when he has brought out all of his own, beautiful language by the way, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Truly, truly, or I tell you the truth, I am the door of the sheep. And and the door of the sheep was where... uh, Big sheep pens. And these sheep pens often held uh, six different flocks, six different shepherds, six different flocks, but one guy would sleep in the doorway and protect the sheep. Jesus says, I'm that door. You go in and you go out and you find pasture by me. I keep you safe. I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. That's a reference to our relationship with God. Verse 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. And I know we like... And you can call the enemy a thief if you like. I tend not to speak to him too much if I can get away with it. But you can call him whatever you like. But that's not the reference in this verse. Jesus' reference to the thief in this verse is the pharisaical false shepherds that were stripping the sheep. There's not a commentator in the Gospel of John that disagrees with that. And I want to digress for a moment because Jesus is the good shepherd, but he has under-shepherds. And I want to encourage everybody here this morning. C.H. Spurgeon says that God places a staff in the hand of his shepherds, not for the backs of sheep, but for the parting of waters. And I want to, I want to help people here today if I can. Whatever church you find yourself in, and we just pray that everybody comes to the rock, right? But I want to be serious for a moment. Wherever you find yourself, you must plug into a place where you are fed. You must plug into a place where you are watered and cared for. You need a shepherd that will lay down his life for the sheep, not strip the life from the sheep. The shepherd should, under all circumstances, protect the flock. God has charged pastors and elders with that responsibility. Be careful what you wish for. But I want to help you today. There are some wonderful shepherds in Brisbane. There's some awesome churches in Brisbane. 
But I just wanted to digress for a moment and highlight the fact that we have a good shepherd and that is Jesus. But you must plug into a place where all those are met, where you were cared for. The sad truth is that there are thieves and robbers that jump in the wrong way and beat the sheep with the staff, isolate them from the flock and fleece them while they're at it. Told you I could get locked up by the time I'm finished. Let's finish off this morning. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I've got enormously good news for everybody in the room. But he came, I came, that they may have life and have it abundantly. No mistake there. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Verse 13, he flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. Here's the last one we're coming to. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Overcoming confusion, number four, fall in love with the shepherd. Cleave to the shepherd. Build a relationship with the shepherd. When this word know, the word know is used five different times in five different ways in the Bible. But in this instance, it is used in an intimate connection. In Genesis, we read that Adam knew his wife and then Cain was born. How many people know that Adam didn't all of a sudden gain more knowledge and information about his wife? No birds and bees this morning. You're going to have to use your imagination. But it's speaking about an intimate connection and exchange that has taken place. Overcoming confusion, number four, build a relationship and cleave to the shepherd. That is where you are safe. Jesus uses the analogy, just as the Father is in me and I in the Father. Ponder that verse this week for me. I challenge you to ponder that verse, that the, re- the connection between us and Christ is the same as what Jesus had with the Father. Just ponder that. I remember when I was in Tasmania, uh, I fished a place called Brumby's Creek, and uh, for want of a better term, you had to walk half, half, a, <laughs> half the day was spent walking to get up the top where, where I wanted to fish. And, and I used to walk and stumble in the dark to get up there early and all this. Sort of, I get up there one day and there's a guy parked there in his car. Talk about the right end of fellowship, right? <laughs> so I go over to this guy and introduce myself and we start up a conversation that sounds a little bit like, how did you get your car here? And he says, well, you're going to have to go and talk to the farmer and see if you can get permission to drive through his paddocks. Fairly long drive, but beats the walk, right? So uh, I, go to the, <laughs> I go to the farmer and I've never met somebody more arrogant in my life. I can't even say hello. But however, uh, I said, listen, uh, I've got some good friends that uh, drive, I didn't, I've got some good friends that, uh, that was before I was a pastor, uh, that drive down through your property and he said, yeah, I don't care, uh, just stick to the tracks. I said, no worries. But I noticed something when I was driving through his property. He had an enormous head of sheep and I would drive down through the property and all the sheep would run away. And then I was fishing there one day and I turn around and hear his car coming down the road and they're all running towards the car. They had no idea who I was, but they were well aware of who he was. And so I would encourage you to build a relationship with the shepherd. I want to finish with these words. I'm going to ask Sonia if she can come and tinkle on the keyboard just as I finish with these words. This is, have a listen to the words of the King of Israel in, in the Psalm 23. For, 
This psalm has been preached by more gangsters across the globe than, than I care to. A fitty cent and two pack have all inserted this one in there, but we'll get to those ones in a minute. Fitty cent, couldn't even get a dollar, right? <laughs> Told you I'd get locked up, Liz. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing my best. <laughs> After Tuesday. Now, ch- chapter t- Psalms 23, verse 1. Listen to these words. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What a powerful verse. What David is saying is all the gold, all the silver, all the prestige. If God is my shepherd, I don't want any of it. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still. He restores my soul. And this is coming from a king who had an affair with a woman, got her pregnant and then sent her husband into the front lines of battle so he'd be killed. But he could stand up and say, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Here we go, 50 cent right now. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Anybody ever been? We heard that this morning. Oh, if anyone's wondering, I never give Simon my sermon notes by the way even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I'll fear no evil why will I fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me sometimes we get off track and God's got to give us a bit of a poke with the staff right verse 5 you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. That reference to anointing head with oil, often the sheep would run off and find themselves in the thorns and the thistles and they get all cut up and, and ripped and bleeding and the, the shepherd would have a flask of oil to rub into the wounds. David says, you anoint my head with oil. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I love this last part. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord life can be confusing circumstances can be confusing Jesus came to be the truth Jesus didn't come to give you ever seen a shepherd standing giving orders to the sheep no 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 he leads them guidance is not something God gives guidance is something God does through all the valleys of our lives I'm going to close in prayer but if you need prayer this morning then please come out the front thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church podcast to be notified when the next episode is available subscribe on our website at therock.org.au you can also connect with us on Facebook at the Rock Christian Church we hope you have been blessed today And we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.